Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Live Fire Cooking Podcast. This is episode number 19, and I'm here with Derek from Over the Fire Cooking and Christy from Girls Can Grill, and I'm Jonathan from Brio. And we're going to be diving into, doing a deep dive into spices and seasonings and all other manner of, of uh, tasty things to enrich our meals. Um, Derek, though, before we get into that, why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about something you've cooked recently that you're excited about. Yeah. So I, you know, I never really stopped cooking. So we got a lot of stuff that we've been cooking. Um, uh, a couple of days ago, I did some bacon wrapped trout. That was actually really delicious. Uh, I've never done that before. Cooked that over the fire in a, a grill basket. So um, different flavor uh, than I was expecting. Um, just really amazing with the bacon kind of in that delicate fish with lemon and some of my Tennessee smoke. Um, and then been doing a lot of stuff with kebabs. Honestly, I've just been doing a lot of stuff uh, with skewers lately, just with my uh, my new kind of open pit, uh, fire pit now in my backyard. So um, actually today we got uh, Harissa rack of lamb kebabs that are going to be uh, going out. So stay tuned for that. And I got a bunch of other really fun stuff. Actually, uh, Jonathan, you were in town. We were able to do some cooking, getting some photos and stuff um, on some Brio uh, products. And <clears throat> we did some really good stuff. Actually, we uh, for the first time ever, um, I did ribeyes with um, eggs that we put inside of bell peppers. So I have to admit, though, it was probably one of my first like legitimate fails when it comes to <laughs> um Jonathan can attest he was there uh but yeah we so like putting uh, eggs into bell peppers like so you carve out a bell pepper and then you have um like you you're basically poaching them inside of these eggs or inside of the bell pepper uh and anyway i didn't necessarily anticipate that they needed to be a little bit more deep than normal. Uh, and we were kind of cooking on like a slight bit of an angle. So I probably lost about a couple of eggs to the fire because I popped them into these bell peppers and they kind of slid out. So all I have to say, you probably won't see the fail in the video by any means. However, that it definitely was there. So yeah, we had, a, we did a lot of fun cooking on some really, uh, cool stuff that can be coming out soon. Yeah. I saw that trout, man. That looks so good. Yeah, it was so good. I so I don't normally cook a lot of fish with um, bone in like that too. And uh, I remember I, I went on a trip with my father to Israel, and I, like that's just, I mean, when we were served fish, it was more or less almost always with bone in. Um, and so anyway, it was it was kind of like taking a, an American version of a kind of bone in. I don't know. Fish. It was awesome. Right. No, that, that looked awesome. And as far as the egg uh, issues, <laughs> it did end up great. Um, luckily, eggs are relatively inexpensive. And so we did have a few casualties. Um, yeah. But uh, we got Derek got the job done. He, he, he pulled it off in the end and they were actually delicious. I, I, I was not sure how that would exactly like cutting cutting the bell peppers in half with the egg in there. And then pairing that with the steak, I wasn't sure how that would go as far as just, a, it wasn't like I thought it'd be bad. I just wasn't sure how that would 
from like a palate standpoint, how that would like kind of pair, but it was actually amazing. We were supposed to go to our next cook and we just hung out in the kitchen, just scarfing that recipe, uh, for too long. So their next cook was actually kind of rushed a little bit because we were just having too much fun. Just pounding <laughs> what we just cooked. Well, those ribeyes so, were pretty dang good. They were, they're, they're they were pretty dang good. good. So yeah. Yeah. it's kind of hard to, I, you can screw up eggs, but it's kind of hard to screw up ribeyes. So, yeah, well, and you, and we did not screw up, you did no. not screw up the eggs. And then for those of you that um, only ever get to see Derek's stuff on the internet, it tastes amazing in real life. I've eaten it for, I don't know, two years now. And, uh, Never disappoints. So, um, all well, right. It's because you never see the times I don't make it good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least when I'm in Nashville, things seem to go well. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on when you're here. So, I gotta make sure that they're good. When Christy's over, she has a lot more leniency, but like, <laughs> right, over, right. So you know that I'm a harsh critic. So, yeah. yeah. I, I've been having fun seeing that um, cinder block fire pit too, and all the different configurations you've been doing with that. That's been fun. It's like your own little transformer in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, you know, it is kind of fun to uh, create. When I first created it, I did it with the loose block. Um, so I, I wasn't putting any, uh, like, I wasn't you know, cementing the block together. And I did that on purpose just for doing the wind block, like kind of off of the first recipe I did with the churrasco skewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I really didn't think that I was going to be using it in really the kind of weird and unique ways that I have been. Um, but it, it's end up being a lot of fun. Like with the trout, I was just I was lazy and I didn't really want to sit there with that grill basket. And I was like, oh, well, why don't I just counterbalance this trout with a few blocks and yeah. call it a day? And so anyway, that was kind of fun. And then just being able to use it from different like other angles, like today with uh, with the Trosco or with the um, Harissa lamb kebabs that you'll see. Uh, it's kind of like somewhat of a, um, a formed way so that I can use the skewers, kind of shorter skewers. Uh, to sit over the fire so that I didn't really have to worry about them as well. Um, and then I actually did a recipe um, just yesterday uh, that was a lot of fun. Maybe not a different configuration on the actual grill, but um, I just threw a whole bag of cowboy charcoal in there and lit the bag on fire. And I mean, it was amazing. It just like caught all fire. Everything was cold up and I... I did a um, a rotisserie buffalo maple bourbon pork roast. Wow. Um, I don't do a lot of pork. Uh, so for anybody that's out there, like pork is so delicious. But the my pork experience tends to be mostly with bacon. Um, so, but pork, there's so many other amazing cuts out there that I've really been wanting to try. Um, so anyway, I did, it was kind of, I mean, it was just like a whole um, bone-in rib roast. So it was really good. It that was sounds really good. good. I'm going to be doing um, this weekend, I'm going to be doing some smoked smothered pork chops. So like smothered pork chops is kind of a Southern thing where you you sear them up in a pan and then you um, put them in you know some kind of sauce and cover them and bake them in the oven. But I really want to get the intensity of smoke in them. So I'm going to actually do a, a slow smoke of about 225 until the, the pork chops get smoke on them. But I'm also going to take the sauce that you usually braise them in and I'm going to put that pan in there at 225 too without the pork so that the smoke starts to infuse in the sauce. 
sauce. Then I'll combine them and cover it and braise it. But I wanted to get the smoke in the sauce instead of just adding the sauce at the end and then not have any smoke flavor. So I've never done this before, but I want to give it a shot. It's my father-in-law's 70th birthday and he loves good old American Southern food. So I'm going to give that a go. Mm. He has good taste. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Grew up in Kentucky, so not too far from you. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Christy, why don't you kick off our spicy discussion? Yeah. Go ahead. So, so it's cool that um, Derek's been using harissa. Um, that might be a seasoning or a spice that people aren't familiar with. Um, it's a North African spice. It's got a lot of um, warmth to it. Not spicy in a way like a cayenne pepper, just kind of this really aromatic, um, almost floral warmth. Um, and it's something that um, really, if you want to just completely change your flavor profile, that's, that's a really nice one to use. Um, but today we wanted to talk to you guys all about spices. Um, last week, we talked to you a little bit about pan sauces and kind of ways to finish off your meat, but we wanted to take you back to the beginning. Um, so when you think of spices, a really kind of common traditional rubs or spice blends that people will use for their proteins when they barbecue or when they grill will be traditional salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, and then maybe something like a, a paprika or, um, or chili powder or even a little bit of cumin. Um, that's kind of your standard blends, but there's such an array and diversity of spices out there, um, even starting with the variations of different salts you can use, the different grains and meshes of different peppers that you can use. Um, so one thing I really recommend is going out there and getting those little packs of spices. I know like Whole Foods, you can buy like these little teeny boxes and really play around with the blends. Um, but when you start a recipe, uh, one thing to think in my think of is how much fat is in your protein. That's, that's really a good base setting for me. Like if I'm going to do something like a, a rack of plate ribs of beef plate ribs, that's a really fatty piece of meat. It's going to, it's going to be able to take on a lot of bold flavors, but it's also already so rich and unctuous that you also want to kind of tone it down with something that's got maybe like a little bit of acid in it. And for a meat like that, that's where I'll actually, instead of just going with straight um, off the shelf spices, I might add something like a fresh garlic because a fresh garlic is going to have a little bit more of that acid to it and pungent to it compared to like, um, you know, granulated garlic that you're going to get off the shelf. Um, another thing that you can do when you have meat like that that's really fatty is add a little bit of sugar. So my blend um, for my beef ribs, which you can find on my website, Girls Can Grill, it also has a little bit of coconut palm sugar in it. And I like using coconut palm sugar versus regular sugar because it has a higher melt point. So if you put something on the grill that's just like a straight sugar or straight brown sugar, it can burn a little bit faster. Coconut palm sugar is a little bit more um, of a hard granule. And so that's going to even things out a little bit more. So again, for something as fatty as beef ribs, I would go with like a salt pepper, usually cumin, some fresh garlic, um, and then that coconut palm sugar, and then maybe some other type of uh, peppery spices like a guajillo or an ancho or something to give it more of that earthiness. And then I like to blend sometimes um, all of that up with like a little bit of olive oil to make a paste. That's that's kind of my traditional rub there for my for my beef ribs. But but how about you guys? What are what are some of the spices that you really have enjoyed cooking with lately? You know, honestly, uh, like I said last week, I, I probably keep it simple when it comes to beef. Um, a lot of my beef recipes uh, tend to include mostly just salt and pepper. Um, and then I, my classic is just salt, pepper and cinnamon. Um, that really gives like a really nice uh, aromatic flavor off of the beef. Uh, when we're just talking steak or anything like that, um, 
that's probably a, a major go-to for me. Another thing that I really love to do is, and I know that this is quasi inside of spices, um, marinating is just a, an absolutely massive change uh, for anybody that wants to kind of amp up not only their flavor, but really amp up the uh, ability to get some great color on their food. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot of marinating, um, especially with things that, you know, maybe like you wouldn't have necessarily thought. Uh, and it all depends on the cut of meat or specifically kind of the meat that you get. I, I only marinate maybe my beef for about an hour or two, maybe. Um, but then mostly everything else, uh, like with the harissa um, lamb chops that I did, I marinated that overnight. So probably about 12 hours. Um, and, you know, it really helps to seep in uh, your the flavoring that you're using, the seasoning that you're using uh, into the deeper parts of the actual meat so that you get that like really amazing ruby red uh, kind of maroon color that you're going for that comes off of uh, that harissa paste. Um, you know, for me, though, I, I, I am slightly a, a creature of habit. Uh, I use a lot of chipotle paste. Um, I'm using a lot of basically pureed chipotle and adobo. Mm -hmm. That's good um, stuff. And I use a lot of uh, acid. So I love adding uh, white wine vinegar or um, red wine vinegar, especially with like your chimichurris and stuff like that. Uh, adding that in uh, to a little bit of the meat um, really helps, as well as I'm a huge proponent of using uh, fruits, especially um, or maybe just like limes and lemons, adding the zest of a lot of lemon uh, and a lot of lime, um, that really helps to accentuate the flavor even more. Um, and then I'm a big, I'm a big fan of uh, blood orange. Uh, oh, yeah, blood orange. You get a lot of great flavor, especially if you're doing. Like I, I know that a lot of my uh, friends um, would use oranges when they were using uh, maybe like carne asada. Um, and I love to use blood orange when I'm doing that because it's, it's just a deeper or more rich kind of flavor, uh, that you're going to get off of the meat instead of just like a simple, like navel orange. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but so what, 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 what would be like your formula for a marinade? So you've, you've talked about a little bit of acid. What are the other, um, components? Like you, do you usually put like olive oil in there? Any sugar? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I always put oil. Um, I've actually switched back now from, uh, there was a long period of time that I was using just avocado oil, uh, because of its uh, high smoke point. Um, I've kind of moved back to olive oil. Uh, some people might get upset with that, but I, you kind of want like a medium smoke point. If you're going to get a good crust on it, you want mm -hmm. something to char up, um, where avocado oil, like really doesn't make anything char at all. Um, so I've switched back to using really good olive oil. Um, when I'm doing, yeah, so when I'm doing most beef, uh, stuff, a lot of things that I'm using, uh, there's going to be a, a decent amount of salt in there. Um, there's going to be that like extra specific flavored seasonings that I'm adding, whether that's, um, garlic or onion, um, or anything kind of like that. A lot of times I'm actually creating um, a blend. Uh, so I'm just putting it into, you know, my, my blender and I'm pureeing it. I, I add a lot of 
uh, cilantro, a lot of lime, a lot of the zest of the um, lemon and lime that I'm using, uh, and then maybe a little bit of black pepper. Uh, and then that's, uh, I'll add in a little bit of, <clears throat> um, vinegar. So like white wine vinegar, um, or even just white vinegar. Uh, I love that pungent flavor that comes in there. And then I've been using actually some form of alcohol, uh, that I'll add into the flavoring. I just think it enhances it just a little bit more. I use a lot of really good beer. Um, I tend to go on to a lighter side. So like a Pilsner or a lager, um, mm -hmm. Try to stay away from the hoppiness because I don't think the hoppiness always goes super well onto uh, some of the meat. Um, and then I'll use a lot of other things. So tequila, rum, um, bourbon. Yeah, that's pretty Sounds much. Sounds good. Yeah, too. That's, that's pretty much follows kind of the things that I'm doing. And then two other components when I'm making a marinade um, is if I'm trying to get some extra tenderness out of meat, sometimes I'll add like buttermilk. Um, mm. That works especially well with game meat. Um, and then also like if I'm going to do something with an Asian flair, um, if you do anything like um, pureed papaya or pureed Asian pear or apples, those are actually going to really help tenderize meat too. And one of the shortcuts that I do actually when I'm doing my Colby marinade is I buy baby food. I buy the pureed pears and the pureed apples. And I put um, a jar of each of those in my marinade instead of going and buying an Asian pear and then pureeing it all up. It gives it gives the same effect and, and it works really great. Um, but Jonathan, how about you? And with the game meat, are you doing any type of marinade to help pull out some of the gaminess that you can find with, with venison and other things? So I, to be honest with you, a lot of people in the community do a lot of, do a lot of marinating to, um, to kind of combat two, two things. Obviously you have uh, the, the quote unquote gaminess flavor and also to try to sort of tenderize certain cuts. Um, I've actually personally moved away from marinades um, and using some other techniques. It depends a little bit on what, on what exactly it is um, as far as what type of wild game, because each of them, obviously you treat differently. And then even within, like if you take venison, for example, I'm going to treat some cuts very differently than others. Um, but what I've kind of done instead of that is rely more heavily on uh, sous videing and reverse searing and things like that to get the texture where I want it. Um, and then from a flavor standpoint, um, I just, I rely on rather than uh, on, on having developing, especially for venison, developing a really good crust and having a lot of the flavor in that. Is it Maillard reaction? How do you say that? Correct. Yeah, Maillard. I think so. Maillard. 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 <laughs> okay. I think the L's are yeah. silent. Maillard. <laughs> um, and, uh, so that is, so that's with, with venison, I, I focus a lot on getting the flavor into the crust, which is where I'm doing, when I'm doing the sear. And then in addition to that, um, looking at how, like at the temperature that you're cooking wild game, a lot of times people, I feel like they over, they sometimes have to almost over marinate things and infuse so much flavor because they're, they're overcooking things. And that's really where you can get, um, a lot of the, both flavor and texture, kind of the negative side of wild game is if you overcook things, um, so if you're cooking, you know, your wild game, whether it's, let's say it's a duck breast or it's, uh, you know, a venison steak, um, keeping it that medium, medium rare, um, is, is going to go a long way to keeping the flavor and the texture great without necessarily having to do, um, a lot of marinating techniques on it. And that's just because like, for me personally, it's, it's one, because I'm too lazy to do it, to do the prep work beforehand. Uh, and two, just because I like, I actually like to taste what, um, the cut tastes like itself because you do know that there'll be differences. Like the, the thing about wild game, uh, people when the, 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 um, term gamey when it comes to meat, I feel like it, it definitely 
is describing something. It's describing a negative ex- experience, uh, a negative, you know, flavor. But there's also something to be said for experiencing wild game uh, for not trying to mask the flavor of the actual meat. So um, there's there's kind of is two sides of the coin of the same coin. One is a negative, one's a positive. And I think that be, like what, what my personal goal is is like if I'm serving, let's say I'm serving a venison steak and I reverse sear it, maybe I smoke it on the green egg for a bit at a really low temperature throw it on in a cast iron with a bunch of butter, salt and pepper, get a really good sear on it. I pull it off at like medium rare and serve it. People are just blown away. And then when they hear there's nothing on this other than salt and pepper, it really kind of not like, I don't want to say like elevates the deer in their mind, but it really does. It's sort of like, Oh, you didn't have to, you know, mask the flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something that I feel pretty strongly about that. I think wild game, someone gets a bad rap when it's, it's more of a preparation issue than an actual flavor issue. Um, because a lot of wild game has, because it's a dense, often dense red meat, um, it has really, uh, like the, the, the way the, the way the protein, um, both from a texture and a flavor profile standpoint, uh, is experienced is quite different from what we're used to, uh, because these animals are very, very active. Um, you know, they're, they're surviving in the wild. And so they don't have the same, um, the, 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 the texture of the protein is quite different. The flavor is quite different. So I like to try to not mask that. So that's kind of my long-winded answer is uh, I don't do a lot of marinating anymore. I focus more on um, doing s- slow cooking methods, either low and slow, um, where it's falling off the bone when you're done, like in a, in a crock pot or something like that. Or what I prefer is reverse searing methods uh, or sous vide to get the texture to be tender and then put all your all your eggs in the basket of having a really, really good crust for your flavor um, and that's kind of in my approach. Nice. Now, when it comes to salt, since you are going so basic with salt and pepper, do you have a, a preferred salt and do you have a preferred mesh of your pepper that you like to use or are you doing fresh cracked or? So for, on, on the pepper side, that's pretty simple for me. Fresh cracked is, is, is what I'm always trying to do. Um, I can get pretty annoyed at some of the, some of like the grinders you buy in the grocery store where it's like the <laughs> one, the one time and you're sitting there for, you know, for five minutes and your forearms are screaming by the time you have enough pepper. <laughs> Uh, on your meat. But in general, you know, big peppercorns, that's what I go for. On the salt, I'm actually going to put the question back to you guys. I, I've used, you know, everything kosher, sea salt, big flake, small flake. Um, I've been really liking the, um, the salt I've been buying from Spiceology. It's like super big flakes. Um, but what would you guys like, what are, what are, I'm pretty inexperienced in like the differences of, of exactly what the properties of one versus another is. Uh, what type of salt do you guys prefer? I personally like to use kosher salt or the diamond salt, um, which is also a type of a kosher salt. Um, I like the size of the granules on that. And I personally like to use my sea salt as a finishing salt. Um, That's the direction I go. How about you, Derek? Yeah, that's pretty much the same as me. I really do. um, I like kosher salt. I feel like you can control the salinity uh, of what you're cooking on um, a lot better. And uh, and then I finish off with a little bit of big flake sea salt. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even have table salt in my house anymore. It's so funny because like, like I just, the small salt, you know, the little teeny salt that you get shake out of a shaker, it's, it, things can become so salty if you use that. Like if you were to use a teaspoon of kosher salt versus a teaspoon of table salt, it's, it's not one for one. It's definitely not equal. One teaspoon of table salt would be so much saltier than, than using that larger grain salt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that when you're specifically, when you're trying to develop a crust, uh, like let's say you're searing something in cast iron. Um, is there a salt that you like both size and type that works best for that? 
I like the diamond salt. So the the kind of the difference between the Morton Kosher and the diamond brand is that the diamond salt is a little flatter. It's still kind of the same size as the Morton Kosher salt. It's just a little bit flatter. So I feel that that kind of gives me a nicer crust. Um, so that's kind of the direction I go. But I keep both in the house and and pretty much use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, and um, then for want, go ahead, and then for black pepper, um, I agree with you. Like cranking that crank is kind of a pain, and sometimes I'll bring out the um, the coffee grinder and throw stuff in there. But lately, what I've just been doing is buying the sixteen mesh uh, black pepper from Spiceology, and then I just crumble it in my hands before I sprinkle it on there. So it kind of like reinvigorates it without me having to do the whole cracking all the time. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. You said that's what's that called on Spiceology's website? Whole mesh. It's the sixteen mesh. So they have oh, different, yeah, different kind of like um, grain sizes of the peppercorns of how much it's cracked through, and the sixteen mesh is the size I like to go with. Okay, got it. So you can just buy the sixteen mesh on their website, and you'll get the exact same thing, I assume. Yep. Sweet. Um, I did have one follow up question back to the marinade discussion. Um, do you are what I'm looking at because I I would like to. Um, do a little more marinating, especially on some of the non-wild game cuts. Do you guys ever, are you ever concerned about over marinating? Like, like what's the length of time typically that you're shooting for with, with the marinade? Yes. With chicken and seafood, I don't go more than 20 or 30 minutes if I've included citrus in my marinade, because it will actually begin to cook the meat. Um, I mean, if you think of ceviche, ceviche is basically like raw fish that is is cooked basically in a citrus brine, like lime juice, um, orange juice, et cetera, because it is actually starting the cooking process. So if I do a lemon garlic chicken, but I don't marinate it longer than 30 minutes because that lemon juice will start to actually cook the chicken and make it a little bit rubbery before I put it on the grill. So that's that's a really great question. I haven't had that experience as much with um, pork or with beef, but with those delicate meats like chicken and seafood, definitely limit it to about 30 minutes if you're using yeah. citrus. Yeah. And if I'm doing, um, if I'm doing beef, it's really usually only maybe about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, because I just think that beef doesn't necessarily need as long of a marinade. Um, and I don't really want to lose some of the beef flavor. Um, so I tend to do that when it comes to my chicken, it really, uh, as Chrissy said, it does depend. I, I'll still do some, um, chicken, uh, like when I'm doing like anything like a chili lime chicken or something like that, if there's lime juice in there, I might marinate that overnight. Um, I haven't had too many issues with that, but that may be against the culinary rules. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> hey, if it works for you, that's cool. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, when it comes to, I mean, like I don't do a lot of things with pork, um, but I did that maple, uh, I did the Buffalo maple bourbon, uh, and I marinated well, it was kind of more of like uh, glazing or not glazing. Um, oh man, the word is escaping me. Uh, similar to what you would do with like a cold smoked salmon. Um, where like brining it? Yeah, in some way. Um, and I just put that in the refrigerator. I only did that for maybe about four hours um, and it definitely changed the flavor. So. Yeah, I think pork loin takes takes on an overnight marinade really well, and that can result in a really juicy piece of pork. I, I, I that's one that I do overnight for sure. Yeah, because yeah. it's a more sense. dense piece. Yeah, right. So it can it can you know, handle a little bit more, you know, that way. It's not quite as sensitive to some of the, some of the other cuts you mentioned. Yeah, um, I will throw back to the question while I will throw one marinade in there that uh, is a really simple kind of like great for camping. Um, one thing that uh, some of my friends do, and, and I've, 
that I like as well, and you can use beef for this as well, um, is cube up venison or beef steak uh, into small, pretty small, like not maybe like I'm just thinking maybe an inch and a half by an inch or something like that. Um, put in a big like gallon Ziploc and then just dump a whole bottle, like a whole bottle of Italian dressing in there mm-hmm. um, and then leave it in the fridge for a day or two before you go camping. And then when you out on the camp at the campground, just put those individually on like a, a hot dog stick the way you would a hot dog um, and cook them over the fire. And because of um, the size and the marinade, it's good. If you, as long as you don't overcook it, they're going to taste awesome. And it's great for kids and everyone um, to kind of make like some real meat over the fire. So it's a, that's a pretty easy entry level campfire cook um, to do over the fire if you uh, kind of want to get started or you're on a camping trip. That's a great, great one. I remember Sasquatch did a, a he used Italian dressing with a salmon and marinated it. And it was so delicious. Yeah, it yeah, turned yeah, out really absolutely. great. It really, Italian dressing really is a marinade. I mean, it, it's yeah. kind of what it, what it is. So. Yeah, you've got your acid in there, your sugar, your oil, your herbs. Yeah, it's that in a bottle for sure. And one of the things that sometimes I'll do is when we think of marinades, we do often think about putting a big piece of meat in a Ziploc bag with, a, you know, covered in a whole bunch of liquid. But a, you can do a flash marinade where you're actually just like pouring the ingredients straight on the piece of meat. So I'll take a couple steaks or a couple pork chops and I'll put them on a sheet pan and then I'll just drizzle with drizzle them with some oil, with some soy sauce, maybe teriyaki sauce, maybe a little bit of vinegar and then my herbs and just kind of push it all in, flip it over and do that to the other side and then just kind of let that sit there for 15 to 30 minutes before I put it on the grill. Kind of a, a faster approach than a regular marinade, but it does tend to infuse some of those flavors, especially if I'm going Asian, um, into the meat before it hits the grill. And it also gives that nice char that we were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Sweet. Awesome. Well, hopefully um, you guys, everyone that was listening, learned something. I definitely did today, diving into some of the seasoning techniques and marinades and all that. Um, do you have uh, anything to wrap us up with, uh, for yourself, Derek? Um, not too much there. Are, I, you know, I got five seasonings out, uh, with spiceology. So if y'all want to <laughs> have a little, uh, flavor of over the fire cooking, uh, you can actually get those, uh, by clicking the link in my Instagram bio. So, and there might be some more stuff coming out this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> might be. Yeah, they, his stuff is all good, guys. So, like, if you're a little bit apprehensive about buying a bunch of spices and making your own rubs, definitely start with his. And you'll it gives you such a breadth of different flavors um, to go lots of different directions, and it definitely builds up that inspiration to try new things. So, and then Sasquatch Sasquatch has his line too, and and his stuff is awesome. I love his fire on seafood. It's got a nice little citrus hit into it. So, yeah, good stuff yeah, out there on spiceology. Don't forget Adam. Um, oh, yes. Garlic Junkie is amazing. Oh, so. my gosh. Yes. His dad, Garlic Junkie, is awesome. Good stuff out there. Yep. Christy, do you have anything to uh, end us on? Yeah. So not on a spice-related field, but um, if it, you guys are going to be out in Glendale, Arizona, March 14th and 15th, I'm going to be at the Meekum Car Auction with actually my girl, Kita, who was on our show before from Girl Carnivore, and we're going to be cooking up with Cowboy Charcoal. Um doing some live fire cooking out there. So if you're in the Arizona area, come out and see us. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. Hopefully, uh, how, how long, uh, how long of an event is that? Um, it's a, it's two day event. It's a big car auction and there's about five chefs or so who are going to be out there doing some live fire cooking and Billy Ray Cyrus will be there too. So (laughs) who'd have thought I'd ever be at an event with Billy Ray Cyrus, but you know, (laughs) yeah, it, it should be some fun times for sure. That sounds great. Awesome. 
All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next week on episode 20 of the Life Fire Cooking Podcast. See you then.